You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Oh, so good. Lara, welcome to Spark TV. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. So exciting. It's uh, more exciting for me because I get to hear your story. (laughs) Um, But let's do that. Let's set the scene, the virtual scene for everyone uh, listening in. Tell us what Hoopsie is. Um, Well, should I start start with how I started? Should I start with the... uh... Well, that's my next question. So So, yeah, I'd love to, I'd really love to know. So, you know, firstly, what it is, so everyone knows what you do in biz, Um, but then how you got there. So whether there was a career, other businesses, like how you actually got here. Okay. So so basically with Hoopsie, what we're trying to do is reduce the amount of single use plastic that's going into landfill from pregnancy tests. Mm. And we're starting out with pregnancy tests. And so our first product is a pregnancy test made from 99% paper. So it's a midstream test, um, roughly the same size as other midstream tests, but mm-hmm. it's kind of, when I say paper, it's more cardy than paper because people think paper, you wee on it and it, you'll just end up holding a soggy thing. But <laughs> it, that's, that's not official, what happens. Yes. <laughs> but that is a question I get asked a lot. So yeah. Um, so basically it all came about because last year I went to Spain and I did two embryo transfers with donor embryos because I was trying wow. to get pregnant. Mm. And because um, the year before I'd actually done IVF in Australia and had my eggs harvested. But when they harvested them, they found out that one of my ovaries was perimenopausal. So it meant that I only got eggs from one side and I only got wow. three eggs and only oh, one of God. them was fertilized and then it has to make it to day five before they can pop it in and he well he or she I don't know this little lady mm. only made it to day three so oh my god that um, was devastating yeah it was there was a lot mm. of a lot of crying going on that day yeah it wow. was I felt like I had so many people like cheering this little eggy on oh. um but yeah it's just one of those things when you get older that's the problem that you just you can feel or look 20 but yeah inside you're still the age that you are and so Mm. and unfortunately when you get older your eggs don't hold together as well which is why you tend to miscarry more when you're older and why um IVF doesn't work as well Mm. um but um so then I thought well the best option for me is to go and get a donor embryo and it's very hard in Australia because um you've got to find someone to you can't pay a pay someone to donate their eggs you've got to find someone having been through that whole egg harvesting process it's horrible it's Mm. you're injecting yourself twice a day 
it's painful you feel like you've put on five kilos even though the scales say you haven't but that's how bloated you feel and and I just thought like a I don't really know anyone of the right age because you really want someone in their 20s but most women in their 20s haven't had children um and or and therefore they probably don't want to think about do I want to give my eggs to somebody when I don't even know what I'm doing yet and most people that donate eggs would normally do it later when they've already had their family Mm. um and also if I went with a um a donor then you don't know how many eggs you're going to get you don't know what the chances are or anything so so I decided donor embryo in Spain they pay their donors which I really agree with yeah donors and the sperm donors anyway So through all this process, I joined all these Facebook groups where, you know, all trying to conceive and everything and everyone's posting pictures. And so when you have a transfer, what happens is you get transferred. Then 10 days later, you normally go and do your pregnancy test. Well, most people can't wait that long. Of course. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everyone's impatient. Um, So normally around day five, people start to crack sometimes earlier. Mm. And so I'd see all these posts in these Facebook groups of like day five morning, day five afternoon, day six morning, day six afternoon, all the way to day 10. And I would just look at these and go, look, I totally get it. I totally get why people are doing this many tests, but oh my God, that's so much plastic. And it's literally being used for five minutes. Yeah. And it just horrified me. It's not like I'm a super greenie, but I do think about that kind of thing. And yeah, of course. Just, yeah. So I just thought this just seems crazy. And anyway, I went and did my IVF. It, the second, I had two transfers. The second one did take, but then it miscarried. So oh my God. one of those things. Yep. And so then when I got back to Australia, I thought, well, you know, having done the pregnancy tests now a number of different times and different ones and and I just saw no reason why we couldn't make it a more sustainable version so and then I found out that in the U.S. about 200,000 kilos of plastic every year from tests pregnancy tests goes into landfill holy crap oh my god that's insane yeah so and that's just one country and obviously the biggest one of the biggest but still just one country and so When you think about all the problems that are going on in the world with climate, like the fact that Mm. in the UK, for example, landfills will be full by the end of 2030. So then where do people put the rubbish? So we need to start thinking about solutions. Absolutely. Um, And it's not like people are going to stop taking pregnancy tests. Like This is a problem that is is going to to be with us for a long time. Yeah. Because, I mean, the other option is with if you don't have don't do a pregnancy test at home, you have to go to the doctor and do it. And often you'll have to pay for that. Depends where you are and depends how quickly you want to get it done. Yeah, I just thought there's got to be a better way to do this. And I looked at the options out there and you've got strict tests, the ones that you win a cup and then you dip. Um, You've got the midstream ones that you wee onto. And then you've got the cassette ones. We still have to wee in a cup, but then you basically drip a bit onto the test. Mm. Um, and most women, like study shows that 95% of women prefer midstream tests because they perceive right. them to be less messy, mm. um, easier to use, um, and just less fiddly. Mm. And um, so I just thought, why couldn't we make a paper version of what already exists in the midstream test? So I looked for um, a supplier, a manufacturer. I contacted, I don't know, well over 100 manufacturers around the world nobody wanted to work with me oh my god (laughs) what no we don't do that I said no I know you don't do that but this is what I want 
yeah, yeah, no, we've got this. No, 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 etc. That went wow. on for quite a while. Yes. And literally one factory in China um basically got it. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably because I was dealing with a woman. I have found that this is very guys don't get it, get the problem. Um I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I know, I know. <laughs> Horrifying fact. Yeah. <laughs> um and um yeah, so they worked on they worked on the first prototype and got that and that was a bit of a we on it and you're left with a bit of a soggy piece of paper so then we mm. had to like stiffen the bottom a bit so it had a bit more card on it and then yeah we got to the version that we're on today and yeah so how long did that process take so um you know obviously being in a product-based business where you do have to do all that prototype typing sampling you're dealing with an international supplier so you know postage times logistics all of these things that we're dealing with what was that process like for you um I'm going to be really annoying now it was actually very very quick because I've done this a amazing few times. okay no that's um, good to know good to know <laughs> um so I started working probably middle of September on this like yep. on and off but I was working full-time just in a temp job while I was working out what I wanted to do next and then mm. um um, and then I remember it was about November. We I started to kind of like seriously like this is what we wanted to do. And then mm-hmm. so probably about November, I was talking to the manufacturers, and then started applying for TGA approval in December. When I say wow. applying, like you have to fill in a form about your company, and there's about three million forms. Mm-hmm. We're still going through TGA approval now to give you an idea about how long it takes. Wow. So, yep. Yeah, but we put the official product approval in in April. So, um, so we this would have had a test probably in actually would have been January. Yeah, when I got the first sample, and then basically modified it from there. So it was only a couple of months. Um, awesome. Mm. So that means so that tells me there's a backstory. So have you worked <laughs> in product development before? So yeah, what's the what's the pre hoopsie story? How did we get how did we get to here? Oh, there's a lot of different stories. But um, <laughs> back in 2004, I started my first business, which was a mobile phone sock cover called Mox. Oh, my God. I love this. Yes. <laughs> so completely nothing to do with pregnancy tests or chemistry or anything. But um, basically, I just saw this product on the streets in Bangkok. And the ones I saw were baby socks with the heels sewn in. And you put them, your phone in them to protect your phone from getting scratched. And I just loved the idea because at that time, there wasn't, you had to buy the specific cover for your make or model of phone. A yeah. bit like where we're up to now. But in their, those days, it was basically if you had a Nokia, you could get something. If you didn't have a Nokia, you would, didn't have anything. Yeah. And um, and the good thing about these, because they were socks, they stretched, and therefore you could fit them on anything yeah. um, phone-wise. So um, I had those made in China, and I actually when I did that I actually flew to China met with a number of different manufacturers and chose who I wanted to go with and stuff and then so and then I ran that business for um six years seven years so like I have a lot I'm of experience certain that I had a sock for my mobile phone I'm Probably. fairly certain I did <laughs> so what did you um what did you do with the business well, that one, that's, uh, that was a bad decision. We all have things that we live and learn from, but. Oh my God, so, absolutely. Yeah. In um, 2011, 2012, I was married and I split up with my husband then. And at the same time, I got an offer on the business to sell it. And at the time I was like, 
no, I don't want to sell it because if I sell it, then you'll get the money. And I don't know, I want to do that. Meh, meh, meh. Anyway, so I didn't sell it and it was the wrong decision. And hey ho. So you know what? You who knows what the right decision is ever in any business decision we need to make. So you do, you do live and you learn. But amazing yeah. because now you have that experience in product development to catapult you when you're going, you know, yeah, it took me a couple of months and I already knew what I was doing, already knew how to talk to suppliers, apply, apply for TGA approval. Like, you know, it set you up for the course that you're on now. Definitely. I mean, the other thing with that business is. I sold into retail stores in Australia and in the UK mm. um, and exported to other countries across the world and sold online. Um, so, and that's exactly what I'm doing now. So yeah. yeah, you're right. It was just my training wheels for this one. Oh, so. totally. I mean, I'm like the biggest, um, I guess, supporter of the idea that you don't just come out of the gate with the brilliant business idea that is like, you know, amazing. The story to get there is, you know, the career, the 1200 failed businesses, the this, the that, like, yeah. you know, you kind of have to go through that process of um, learning all of the ins and outs of business, whether it be, you know, something to do with product development, whether it be scaling, whether it be hiring people, like you're always going to make some kind of mistake in business. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that, yeah. That did really help in terms of, mm -hmm. I guess the harder thing about this business and this product is the fact that it is a medical device and therefore mm -hmm. requires regulatory approval, even though you're not eating it or anything. No. Um, so that does mean the speed to market is a bit longer. So when you look at my Australian, so I was lucky in that the factory that I went with, they already had CE approval on the product. Mm. Um and so that covered Europe and the UK, but it didn't cover Australia. So that's why I started doing the Australian process. But it meant that and then I got fed up of waiting when I realized how long Australia was going to be. <laughs> and, um, and so then I launched in the UK first. So we launched there in July, which confuses the hell out of people because so you're a UK company. No, I'm an Australian company, but but you're in the UK and not in Australia. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. <laughs> I know, gotta gotta love that. But I mean, that's you know a really interesting lesson, right? You know, as an entrepreneur, if a roadblock comes up, you know, what's the way around it? You know, so if Australia's going to take longer, go somewhere else first. I I actually love that, right? Like roadblocks come up all of the time, and it is just about adjusting and changing and and figuring out a, another way. Yeah, definitely. And I guess part of it was that, but part of it was that I was fed up of doing these dead end jobs to earn enough money to just basically to fund living mm. um, while I developed the business. And so part of my sneaky plan was I've got family in the UK. So I rented out my place here and I stayed with my brother and his family for four months. I love that. Yes. Rent free. <laughs> I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor and I said, this has got to be like the next unicorn. I want a mattress yes. on the floor. You're like, I'm, you know, the story's there. Yes. I've got all the building blocks. <laughs> exactly. And then my sister-in-law would say, like, she what we watched We Crashed, you know, that TV. Yeah. Um, she went, Tara, when they make the documentary about your business and your life, they're gonna be filming in our house. They're gonna be filming this room. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, I love setting the bar high, right? Unicorn you know, <laughs> dreams from the start. That's so good. Yeah. 
Oh, amazing. So what's what's kind of like next? So obviously Australia's lagging a little on the old approvals. Um, you know, what what is it? Just scale into the UK while you wait for Australia or, you know, other markets? What's next? And you said that the pregnancy test was the first thing. So do we have an inside scoop on what else you're scheming up? <laughs> it's not it's not that top secret, but um okay, so I just like first of all this if anyone's listening to this and going oh yeah I'm gonna do that what I'm doing is not normal um normally you would launch in the market in which you live and you would spend a couple of years building in that market building up an audience building up um awareness building sales channels and stuff and then you would launch into a second market second country so first of all to launch into a market overseas um Mm. is more unusual and it's slightly harder to manage just because of the time zones yeah um but um the other thing with our product is that so when I was in the UK I knew that someone would copy the product I hadn't I still have no doubt and I on one hand, it would be annoying. On the other hand, it would be good because that would be enough more plastic taken out of landfill. So you kind of like. Well, validation as well that yeah. there's a market for this. Well, I kind of think we've got validation now. Like we've had so much PR, mm. so much positivity from retailers and stuff. I feel like, I hate to say it, but I do feel like we've kind of, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. That's awesome. Mm. We've had like. I think we started doing PR in July and we've had 45 pieces of PR in the last, yeah, three months. Oh my God. Everyone listening in hates you right now. <laughs> I know. Well, the PR agency set a goal of 10 pieces in five. Wow. So we like blasted that in the first. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah, it has been amazing. Um, so yeah, so we launched into the UK and, um, and then about three weeks after I launched, I got a call from Sophia at the factory saying, Lara, we've just had an inquiry. Well, my colleagues had an inquiry. Someone wants to buy your product in your packaging as seen on your website from us because I have to, by law, put oh. the manufacturer's details on the packaging. Mm. So I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Thinking mm. I just thought it would take more than three weeks, but I was thinking minimum three months. But no. Um, so. Basically, um, I then I said, well, what have you done? And she's like, well, to be honest, I hate it when people don't have original ideas and can't think up new things for themselves. So I've told them we can't do it. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. I am shocked. This is incredible. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Holy crap. That is amazing. Did you have a prior relationship with them? No, they they were brand new. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah, so if anyone's listening to this and thinking that they're going to be able to contact the factory and get them to make them, you're not. So, yeah, so that was kind of a bit of a shock to the system mm. in that I just didn't expect to have competition that quickly. Yeah. Um, so basically, as a result of that, and also Australia taking longer with the TGA, decided that our next market's going to be, well, it could be Australia, depends on TGA, mm-hmm. but um, it we're planning to launch into the US next year. Wow. Um, so, um, and yeah, so basically that's going to require a lot of effort. I'm just about to this week apply for FDA approval, which takes mm-hmm. 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then, yeah. Off to uh, off to the US. Um, 
Unbelievable. That is so cool. So other mm. than FDA approval, I mean, obviously, um, I would assume that your, you know, uh, stocker strategies or your e-com strategy changes. Are you um, are you focusing on buying online or in retail stockers or what's your kind of distribution strategy look like in the different markets? Well, that's a very interesting question because that's something I'm actually juggling with in my head at the moment. Mm. It's one of those hard things because when you before you start stuff, I think you think I'm going to do X. And then when you start it, you're like, mm, maybe I don't want to do X. Maybe I want to do Y. Yep. Um, and so I always wanted to get into retail stores because I thought it'd be really good for brand awareness. And yep. also, depending on who's buying the pregnancy test, like if you're someone that's... Um, had sex last week and you suddenly go, oh, my period's lay. Oh my God. You're not going to order online. You're going to yeah, go to the shop. Totally. You are panicking. You are panicking. Yes. <laughs> even, even in the Amazon one dad hour delivery in the UK, you are not going to trust that. You're going to yeah. go and to the shop and get it. So mm. obviously by having online only, we miss out on those people. But so that was why another reason to have in store. Um, but also... And I don't know if this sounds a bit, I don't know, um, but I can't really think of the word, but basically I want other people to change what they're doing, like other brands. I want businesses to realize that just because we have been making this plastic thing for 35 years does not mean year 36, it still has to be a plastic thing. I love and that. it's actually not that hard to change mm. um and so by also having it in retail we get that message across to people and and I'd like to hope that it inspires other people not just manufacturers but also consumers to mm. demand more from manufacturers in that well they've done it with this so why can't you do it with that kind of way and I just think that's yeah it's really important because it's the way that we need to go as a like as a world Basically. Absolutely. And it, so I'm interested to know as well, um, from a price point point of view, is it comparable to the plastic equivalent? Yeah, on a per test basis, it's equivalent, but we don't do a one pack because sustainability wise, there's a lot of empty box and air that you're shipping around. And so it's not great. So that's yeah. why we do a three pack is our smallest, whereas you'll find like a clear blue and a first response, they'll do a one pack. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, who wouldn't check a few times? So yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm just trying to think like as a consumer, like we have no excuse either. Like we need to no. actually buy sustainable, and yes, if it's definitely. available, why not? And that's the thing. If that's that was the other, like, if the price parity is the same, then mm. why wouldn't you choose that option? Yes. Um, and if it's in a pharmacy, which in the UK we are in pharmacy stores, mm. you kind of, I feel as a consumer, you would think, well they wouldn't put something in here that was dodgy because exactly. it's a pharmacy. Yes. And so it does give us, a it helps with our credibility being in pharmacy as well. Cause I didn't want to be, you know, they see those dodgy shakes you can buy online that, you know, you're going to lose 10 kilos in a week and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I, I just thought, I don't want it to be seen like that. Not that I think it would be, but mm -hmm. I just thought the pharmacy would give us credibility. I think it's an, a great strategy. You know, I know, you know, anything hurts in your body and you think, well, yeah, I'll go to, go to the chemist because or the pharmacy because, you know, I can talk to somebody. They have everything that's going to cure my ailments. So, yeah. you know, aligning to something that's going to um, increase your credibility is a smart move. I love it. Mm. Yeah. So that's 
so yeah so we're doing a kind of a dual strategy and then um online i didn't i wanted to do online because i really think we need the consumer feedback and mm. because we are so new um and it's great because i've got whatsapp on my phone and people just whatsapp me oh and my then god I just reply and okay, then that like, is oh, next oh, level oh, customer oh, service <laughs> Yeah, I can't to... believe you do that. That's amazing. Yeah, but my my team's not very big, Danielle. It's me and and a part an admin assistant. She's full time, but this is only a third week here. So, oh my god! But that's still incredible. I know plenty of people with bigger teams that would not do that. So, no, I think it's so important, mm-hmm. so important, and also like and coming onto teams like sorry side sidestep, but like mm-hmm. one of the things that's so important to me is with this business, like having been through that IVF process, having been through that trying to get pregnant whole thing, Mm. I just think it's so important that people understand what women go through, which is part of the reason I don't have any men on my team. And even the people like contractors, Mm. they're all women as well. And they've all either had a baby, been through IVF um, or, you know, something in that space so that Mm -hmm. they actually understand what's going on and and I think it's so important it's it was really interesting actually I was doing some research for the U.S. yesterday and and um there's a brand called BFN and a BFP in the U.S. a pregnancy test which stands for big fat positive which okay that's great but what happens if you don't want to be pregnant yes That's a branding flaw if I ever saw. <laughs> exactly. And so this is what I think like often it's like we often when you think about pregnancy tests, you think everyone is hoping to be pregnant, but they're not. A lot of people are hoping not to be pregnant. Uh, it, yeah, I fall into that camp. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So wow. I think it's really important that people on your team understand that and also mm. understand like, you know, like this girl messaged me last week saying, um, um, I'm on day 12 of the two week wait, which is like, and I haven't tested yet. I was like, oh my God, how have oh. you managed to hold on for so long? Wow. And the fact that I understand that and yeah. understand what she's going through and how it works, mm. I think is for us is a massive point of differentiation. Because obviously when you are a new brand to the market, you're competing with people with massive pockets. Yeah. And also, you know, you don't have a huge spend on marketing, then you've got to stand out in other ways and that's one of the ways that we try and like stand out is through customer service through basically being real to people as well well and I feel like that you know everyone talks now about community building right yeah and I think that that's you know a another word for customer service you know you should be building communities you should really understand the problem that you're solving you should be available to give advice or tips or feedback depending on what product or service you offer um I think that that comes back to communities and understanding your customer yeah I mean I totally agree I just think how could we and that's why I want to answer these emails these Mm. messages because Mm. yes I could give them to my admin assistant but and I'm sure she'd do a great job but it's my business I want to see what's happening I want to see what people think I want to see if they're having problems because you can get so close to stuff that you just miss the blindingly obvious and Mm. you sometimes need people like your customers to point that out to you yeah. To be able and to produce the best thing. 
Totally. And it's also like, don't be afraid of um, positive or negative feedback because it's, even the bad stuff is great sometimes because you're like, oh, awesome. I can fix that. I just didn't know it was a problem. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Mm. I mean, prime example, and I've said this to retailers, like well, our products in a tube. Mm. And when I designed it, I was like, this is cool. It's going to stand up on the shelf. It's brown paper tube or cardboard tube. And yep. compared with all the other tests, which are really bright and shiny, literally bright and shiny wrapped in cellophane. Mm-hmm. But then I got it and I went, this looks great, but it's going to be quite expensive to post because it's so fat. Damn it. I didn't really think <laughs> that through, did I? So now the next production run is going to be moving to a cardboard, uh, a rectangular shaped cardboard because but it's just one of those things you can get so carried away in the moment of thinking something's fabulous and then don't think about all of the other applications of it. Totally. And sometimes you literally don't know until it's in your hand or you go to send the first one and you're like, Oh crap. (laughs) You know, as a business owner, you are thinking of everything. So sometimes it's difficult to see. Yeah. Like you said, like what's so close to you. I mean, because to to cha- us to change packaging will reduce the cost of postage by 50%. Oh, my God, that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, because the wow. product is so light. Um, yeah. And so it's a complete no-brainer. I mean, mm. I do think the round one looks nicer, but at mm. the end of the day, we we are in business to make money as well as to save the world. Well, Absolutely. Well, both should go hand in hand. We should be, yeah. you know, you know, making more money so we can create a bigger impact, I, I always yeah. think. I love that. I love that. So to wrap up, because this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you. We have, and so from, I'm just reflecting on, you know, you being a two-time business owner, if not more, like we didn't even, I'm sure, get into all of the career details before then. Um, But I'd love for you to share um, advice for people who are just starting out. So, you know, people who have potentially, like you said, in that um, corporate job that they're hating and, you know, wanting to get into a business, any advice to people just starting out who might be hesitating to take the leap into business? Hmm, that's always a good question. I think it reminds me, in fact, I was saying to someone the other day, like when you first start planning for your business, and, and I think planning is a really important part of starting mm-hmm. a business. And when I say planning, it's like you want to think about like on the website. One thing I always do when I'm starting a new business is I look at the website and I said, OK, well, now I'm on the homepage. Where would I go next? What would mm-hmm. I do? And then, okay, now I've bought the product. What do I expect to get? Would I expect to get an email? What would I expect? Mm. And it's like, like one of the reasons I've got free shipping online is because I hate paying for shipping. I really hate it. And I will not buy something, even if it's $3 for shipping, I will not buy it because it's not free. Yeah. And I'm like, it's only $3. You could pay for it. Anyway, so shipping wrap. But um, I just think I try and think of if I'm the customer, what would I expect? Mm. And um, I think that that is something that people often forget. And I actually had an email from a company the other day. It was a car hire company. And it was one of those ones you rent by the hour. Mm-hmm. And I got it back 10 minutes late. And it was a charge of $5. And I just thought they'd take it off my card. And they didn't. So two days later, they sent me this email saying, um, your payment is now overdue. If you don't pay it now, we will take this to debt collectors, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was just like, 
I no, understand you I want your money, but that is not the way you keep a customer. Exactly. And, wow. and I think that's the thing is to think about if you were the customer, what would you want this mm. business to do, to stay, to be? Um, to stand for how would you like to be treated if you were that customer and then go through that whole well the cheesy thing is customer journey but go through that whole process if you were that customer buying whether it's online or in person and then it's like when you get the product what would you want to get and it's like I don't know about you and I know this is different and that's the other thing I think that we often forget is some things are different for well, it's things are different for other people. Some people love it when they get something and it's got a handwritten note or it's yeah. got like wrapped yeah. in nice tissue and stuff. And yeah, I like that. But at the same time, I'm like, waste of paper, straightens recycling, the whole lot. Like how long did that take? I don't know if it's really worth it. And mm. so we just ship it, the product. There's nothing else with it. And then we rely on electronic means to communicate with customers. And I'm not saying that's the right way, but I'm just saying that's the way that I've decided that we're going to do it because part of our whole thing is sustainability. So we should yeah, be putting well, aligned extra to your brand in. values. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think there's those kind of things you've got to think of as well. Yeah. So the, yeah, brand values are really important. And I think it's hard when people say that brand value thing to you, you go like, you then have to Google what are brand values. <laughs> And you're just like, I don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, but you just need to think about what do you want people to, what do you want your company to stand that. for? Mm. And um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of the two important things. If you can get those two things right. And then, uh, sorry, I'm waffling on here, but. No, um, give it to me. I'm literally <laughs> just taking notes myself over here. I love it. <laughs> One thing I have found exceptionally amazing in this business and probably in, in others that I've run, but particularly in this business is asking for help. Like mm-hmm. that is one thing they say a lot. You should ask for help. And I am one of those people that will ask for help. Like I cornered someone's husband at an event last week because he was a CFO. And I was like, yeah, I've been stuck on my budget. So I've done this and this, is this right? Or should I be doing this, this and this? I love and that. he was quite happy to, you know, um, but I think that the I've now got so I just, I'm part of a group called Climate Salad. And if you're doing a climate mm. um, startup, then definitely join. It's $100 a year, which is like nothing. Yeah. And you just get so much support and help. And I've been through their accelerator and I've now got a number of different mentors and they just send me stuff. Wow. Um, That's so cool. You should look climate at this, Climate Salad. Awesome. Mm, really, link. really good. And I like, a, like I'm, my distribution, um, dilemma I'm having at the moment I just emailed my one of my mentors today and said can I have a chat to you about it tomorrow because I think that's the other thing when if you are a solo founder it's very hard because you've got no one to bounce things off mm. um and I'm single as well so no partner um and so mm. and you might but you might have a partner but they might not be interested so mm. anyway but that's really important I think having that person that because we have our calls and she's like I don't know how you find this helpful because I just throw a spanner in the works every single time we talk. <laughs> and I'm like, but that is what is so helpful because totally, you just yeah. question things and you go, really? Are you sure you want to do that? Do you want to do this? Have you not thought about that? And how are you going to cope doing that? How are you feeling? How's that, you know, 3 million hours a week of work going kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it is, sometimes it's just that person that kind of like, or even talking out loud. I was on yeah. a call today and it's just the literally saying the words out loud and not in my brain. I was like, oh, don't worry. I already know the answer. It's great. Yeah. 
<laughs> totally. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I know I'm someone that processes information by talking about it. And I, and it depends on you, but that for me has been really amazing. And what has amazed me about this business is the number of people that just fall into my lap. And, mm-hmm. and that sounds like a doctor, a GP in the UK is now writing content for us. And we're wow. going to be in Grazia magazine in two weeks because oh of a piece God. she's written. And we're not paying her. She's doing it because she loves what we're doing and she wants to spend more time doing that. And this is mm. a good way for her to kind of cover both options and build her profile. And I'm just like, you know, when people when you have something that people love and they just want to be part of it. And it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. That is absolutely incredible. I I must admit, I I love the way you described, you know, what would your customer expect? You know, I literally just wrote that down because I'm like, that's such a great way, you know, you do, you hear brand values, customer journey, and you're like, what the hell is that? You know, it's just like, just think about what your customer would expect from you as a business. Like, it's just such a great Mm. way to put it and so essential. I love it. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, you know, if we don't have customers around business, so it's it's kind of important. Hit the nail on the head. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much, Lara. You are incredible. Thank you so much for spending your time with us on the podcast on Spark TV. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.